Welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We're currently in a six-part series titled Shift, in which we will learn how to shift from living for ourselves to living for Christ. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. So I can tell that you came to worship the risen Christ today. Amen? Amen? I'm trusting that uh, the same spirit is at the campuses as well. I want to give a warm shout out and a welcome. And since we're like standing room only in here, I want you to really give it up for our other campuses. And particularly we had to, we had to send some folks up to the coffee house because uh, we couldn't fit them in here. So welcome Garner Campus. Yeah. Welcome the Daughters of the King at NCCIW. The Sanford campus. Welcome, guys. Welcome the Latino campus. Internet campus. The coffee house. Television crowd. Welcome, one. Welcome, all. We love you guys wherever you are, and we're glad you are a part of this celebration. Um, you need to know this. Last Over the course of the last week, at all of our campuses, we've seen over 250 people accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. Now, church, you should explode when I say that. You should clap louder about that than anything else we clap about. Amen? Yeah. That's why we're here. We saw 44. This, this is amazing. We saw 44 women accept Christ in prison at our campus in the prison last week. 44 prison. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't think I need to explain the tradition, so I'm not going to explain the tradition. He is risen. That was okay. Maybe I should have explained the tradition. All of our campuses listening, everybody, we're going way, way back. When, after Jesus resurrected from the dead and Christians would walk by one year, they were persecuted. They were per- we think we have it bad if it rains. They had it bad if they professed Christ. And so they would walk by one another and they'd see people in the marketplace and they learned to say, just, he is risen. And the person, if they were a believer, they'd say, he is risen indeed. And it's a tradition that has carried on throughout the church for a long time. So all of our campuses, I want everybody to scream it to the top of your lungs. We want to hear you from the campuses. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Give him a hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So Friday, Friday, the, the title of my message, if you were here for Good Friday, and if you weren't, no big deal. But the, the title of my message was The End. Like really, The End. The End of Jesus' Earthly Life. The title of my message today is The Beginning. Because when you read Mark's gospel, that's what you get. In your linear minds, you might have a hard time grasping that. We usually think the beginning starts and then we go, 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 and we get to the end. But no, no, no. Jesus Christ turned the world upside down. Or right side up, might I say. And so the end came, but then Easter Sunday morning rolled around and we get to the beginning. The end, he was dead. Dead. Flatline. Beep. 
keep my, my voice. I'm still in puberty. My voice just broke. Did you hear that? <laughs> he was dead in a borrowed tomb. Easter Sunday morning rolled around and the father rolled the stone away. By the way, our God still rolls stones. Our God is still a stone rolling God. And the stone was rolled away and all of a sudden, beep, 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 beep. And Jesus Christ came back to life. And when his heart started beating again and life was restored, that is when humanity was able to tap into an Easter heart. I wonder today if you have an Easter heart, if you have a new heart. Listen, church, life begins anew with the resurrected rhythms of an Easter heart. Did you hear me? Life begins anew with the resurrected rhythms of an Easter heart. Think about it. Mary Magdalene, if you know your Bibles, if you don't, don't worry. I'll explain this to you. Mary Magdalene, she goes to the tomb. She's taking spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus. She realizes that he is not there. The angel says he has risen. And right then and there, her Easter heart started to pulse and beat Think about John, the beloved one in John's gospel. He goes to to the tomb and what does he find? Do you remember? He finds the abandoned grave clothes. It's as if Jesus, when he resurrected, he said, get those death shrouds off of me. And right then and there, John, the beloved one, had an Easter heart. Think about Thomas. Remember doubting Thomas? Daddy Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until Jesus shows up and gives me a little show and tell. (laughs) Jesus shows up and says, put your hands here, Thomas. Stop doubting. And right then and there, doubting Thomas had an Easter heart. And life took on new meaning. Think about Luke's gospel Luke chapter 24, probably uh, one of my favorite post-resurrection scenes. You can read it later. But there are these guys and they're walking down the road to Emmaus. And Jesus comes up amongst them and starts talking with them. And at first they don't recognize him. But then then he breaks bread and, and they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And look at what the Bible says in Luke 24, 32. Let's read the word of the Lord together at all of our campuses on the count of three. Ready, go. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? I wonder today, do you have an Easter heart? That's my question to you today. Do you have an Easter heart? Is your heart burning with the passion and the love of Almighty God? And have you started to experience what this resurrection of Jesus Christ can do in your life and in your heart? Basically, if you ask me, Easter is about a four-letter word. Life. Life. If I could just sum it all up, it is in the fact that God Almighty reached down, breathed into Jesus Christ the breath of life. His heart started beating again. He defeated death forever. He forgave our sin. He's put our name in the Lamb's book of life. He secured eternity for us in heaven. It's about life. So take out your teaching notes and and write along with me. Grab your pen in front of you. Write in this. An Easter heart 
is full of life. If you've experienced a life, let me hear an amen. amen. Christians are full of it. Life, that is. I know you don't like this. It's a little awkward, but I'm going to make you do it because it's fun today. Look at your neighbor and with a sassy attitude say, you're just full of it. Oh, you did good. You did better than I thought. I think some of you actually enjoyed that. Some of, that, some of you, that just brought resolution to the argument you had on your way to church. Now you can worship. I mean, you're just full of it. And you should be. Life, that is. Easter is all about Life, new life, abundant life, redeemed life, resurrected life. What's more, celebrating Easter is the best thing the church can do because it represents all that is good. The reality of Easter makes everything else in life possible. An Easter heart is full of a new mission. An Easter heart is full of, listen, new possibilities. An Easter church that is filled with Easter hearts continues to offer signs of hope and life to the world. And some of you are here today and the truth is what you need more than anything is an Easter celebration. To give your heart and to give your life renewed energy and new passion and new vision. If you were here on Good Friday again, I pointed out, you ever thought about what the word evil is spelled backwards? Live. Live. On Good Friday, listen, the evil forces of the world won the day. On Good Friday, the Lord of life was crucified, dead, buried. All life was gone. So much so that the world grew dark. Death was raining. But I stopped by today to let you know, church, that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we now have life. We have life everlasting, and it is worth celebration. Look at what the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13. You read the other one so good. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Leave it up there. So you may what? No, 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 no. So you may what? No. So you may what? So you may what? Know that you have what? This is what Easter is all about. Jesus rose from the dead for you to have eternal life. John 10, 10. These are the words of Jesus. I have come that you might have what? Then you might have what? And have it more abundantly. T.S. Eliot, that atheist turned Christian, that missionary. T.S. Eliot once said this, where is the life we have lost in living? Oh, where is the life that we have lost in living? Why does humanity have this unbelievable propensity for getting in ruts? I do it just like you do. And and have I ever told you what a rut is? A rut is nothing more than a casket with the ends kicked out. Ruts. Jesus came to blow the ruts, to blow the caskets to smithereens. Amen? 
Jesus came to give us new life. Some people mistakenly believe, I don't know why, they believe that to be a Christian, and you might be in this boat. Some of you showed up today, and and, and you believe you're here because it's Easter, and your mother or your grandmother told you to always go to church on Easter. So you decided to go to the one that you've been hearing about in the media the most. all good. We'll take you any way we can get you, beloved. But you're here, and man, we're so glad you're here. And some of you come here regularly, but you still fall into this believing and this thinking. You believe that to be a Christian is to have two lists in life. There's the list of things that you believe you really want to do, and they would make make life fun for you. And then there's this other list that you believe are the things that you don't want to do and it would just make life miserable for you. And some of you have shown up today and you believe to be a Christian is to say no to the list of things that make life fun and to endure and say yes to the list of things that make life miserable. Your definition of Christianity is the, 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 the frown, you know, the brow all frowned up, the, the cross arms, Right? Christians, Christians can suffer from what I call sourpussitis. I made that up this morning, seriously. They, they, believe, they believe that they can't have fun. They believe that their life is all about doing what they don't want to do. It reminds me of the, the couple, married couple, and they, they heard a pastor give a great, great message on inviting and investing in their unchurched friends. Build relationships with people who are far from God. Maybe some of you are here because of that. New Hopers brought you. I'm so glad. Way to go, New Hopers. But this story, this couple heard about it, and they decided, hey, they were going to invite their neighbors to dinner. And their neighbors didn't go to church, and their neighbors were atheists and all that kind of stuff. So they invited their dinner, their neighbors to dinner. And when it was dinner time, uh, the mother asked their little boy, Bobby, to pray at the dinner table. And Bobby said, Mom, I don't want to pray. She said, come on, Bobby, please pray. And, and she said, well, and he said, well, Bobby, and she said, Mom, I don't know how to pray. And she said, well, Bobby, just pray what you heard your dad say this morning at breakfast when he prayed. And so Bobby said, okay, Mom, and he bowed his head and he said, Lord, why in the world did we invite these awful people to dinner? See, sometimes we think we've got to do these things that we don't want to do when in reality, the gospel has come and shattered and given us great life. Amen? Life. Here's the second thing. Write it down. An Easter heart is full of love. Oh, campuses, hear this. An Easter heart is full of love. For those of you who've been journeying through this Mark series with us, this is part nine of a Mark series that we've been in. Nine messages straight from the gospel of Mark. We started in the beginning of Mark. Now we're ending with the last chapter in Mark's gospel. It is one big, listen, love story. And God's desire is that you are the recipient of his divine love. God loves you. All the stories in the Bible, the one thread, the one thread that runs throughout the entire scripture The one thread, I believe, that ties the whole Bible together, that kind of runs through the meta-narrative of Scripture, is this thread. I love you. It is one big love letter from God to you. 
And it culminates with Jesus saying, I love you this much. When he spread his hands and he died on a cross for you. That is the message of Good Friday. That is the meaning of the gospel. And the Bible would say later in 1 John 4, 7. Let's read it out loud together. 1 John 4, 7. Ready? Go. Let us Because God is, that's so good, it's so short, let's do it again. Let us love one another because God is love. Now listen, I'm not talking about loving those that it's easy to love. Like, nothing nothing to loving somebody that you find lovable. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we all, we all love people that we find lovable. We all love people that well, love us, usually. But, but we all love, you know? But, but the Bible actually even speaks to this. Jesus speaks to it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 43 through 44. The Bible says this. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and what? Hate your enemy. But I tell you, and this is Jesus, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven see when the when the easter heart of love gets inside of you listen church you can't help but love people you love the lovable yes but when the easter heart of love gets inside of you you actually imagine this imagine this you can actually love those who hate you You can actually love those who persecute you. Caleb, <laughs> Caleb, my little nine-year-old boy, Caleb, he's just a trip. Caleb, Caleb said yesterday we're riding down the road, and Caleb goes, Dad, Dad, how do you, how do you talk to all those people? And I said, well, I, I, I don't know, Caleb, I just do. He goes, man, I just tell them peace out and leave. <laughs> Seriously, that's what he said. And I said... I said, why? And then so the kids in the back of the car said, well, Caleb, you talk all the time. He goes, yeah, but I like y'all. <laughs> I said, well, Caleb, I, I, like, I like all them. And he goes, how do you like all those people? <laughs> and I said, Caleb, I said, and it made me think about this. I said, Caleb, the way you like people, the way you love people, and in the context of what I was just saying, the way you love people who might not even love you, is you keep your eyes, listen, on a blood-stained cross. The way you love your enemies, the way you love the person who has betrayed you, the way you love the people who have hurt you, the way you love the people who lie about you, the way you love all those people, the way you love those who even abuse you or slander you or, or, or verbally abuse you the way you love them listen this is this is what you've got to do you keep your eyes on a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb and you remember that he loved you that much and if God has loved me and God has loved you that much then we love all people can I get an amen, amen. That, that's, guys, that, that's why we do what we do here at the church. If you could sum up two things about New Hope, you'd sum it up this way. We love God, we love people, period. We love God, we love people. 
That's, that's why we, we spend all the time and the energy and the resources in creating the most unbelievable environments for your children. You would not believe it. Right now, your children are being loved on and served and taught about Jesus because we love God and we love children. That is why we spend so much time, energy, and resources in student ministry because we love our students. That is why we do what we do. That is why we send missionaries to Haiti and Kenya, which we're getting ready to send another group in just a few weeks. I can't wait. I happen to be going on this trip with the New Hopers. That is why we've adopted villages in Kiria, Kenya, and we go to Haiti nonstop. That is why we do what we do at Christmas time and Thanksgiving. That is why we send thousands of people out all the time, every single week, to build redemptive relationships with people who are far from God. Why? Because we want to grow a big church? No. Why? Because love compels us to. Why? Because we, we can't, using a good double negative here, we can't not do it. Why? Because that is the message of the gospel. Because the bride of Christ has a heart, a broken heart, if you will, for people. You remember, you remember the story in the, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and they took a spear? Remember that? And they, they, they put it into his side. I talked about this a little bit the other night. Remember, what came out of Jesus' body? Water and blood. Now, biblical scholars and folks in the medical field have actually made this claim that one of the things that killed Jesus, listen, was a broken heart. I like that. Can I prove that? No. But something powerfully happened, and, and I had this epiphany the other night. Some of you were here. It happened right in the service. I had never actually made the connection with that in Psalm twenty-two, fourteen. But in Psalm 22, the Old Testament is talking about all that Jesus went through. It's prophesying about his, bo- his bones would be out of joint, and he would be humiliated and spat upon. And, and, and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of that is in Psalm 22 in the Old Testament. Now, what's interesting is I had never made the connection between the broken heart and verse 14, where in Psalm twenty-two, fourteen, the Bible says, My heart has turned to wax and melted within me. See, I think there were several things that killed Jesus. Clearly, asphyxiation and dying on the cross. And I talked about that, how they, you, your lungs eventually collapse and you just die. But I believe a broken heart killed Christ because Christ loved the world and his heart was breaking over what he was going through. You love people. Listen, church, we love people even if we don't feel like it. Do you remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Don't worry, I'm going to get us back to resurrection in just a moment, but but I got to go there for just a moment. The Garden of Gethsemane in Mark chapter 14. Look at what the Bible says in verse 32. Of Mark 14. The Bible says this. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples. Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further he fell to the ground. And prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Look at what he says. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. 
Yet not what I will, but what you will. Aren't you glad? Come on, church. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ didn't stop loving us when he felt like it? I said, aren't you glad Jesus Christ didn't say in the Garden of Gethsemane, oh, just forget about it. Just forget about it. It's too hard. They don't love me. They beat upon me. They spat upon me. They've humiliated me. Just forget about it. Here's the message of that. Jesus went to hell without you so that you could go to heaven with him. Don't miss that. Some of you came for that today. Jesus went to hell without you so that you could go to heaven with him. An Easter heart is full of love. An Easter heart is full of life if you're taking notes. And here's the third thing. I love this. I love this. An Easter heart is full of laughter. It's full of laughter. The Sanhedrin, they thought they had the last laugh when they carried him off to Pilate. Pilate's tribunal, they thought they had the last laugh when they said, crucify him. Listen, the Roman authorities, they thought they had the last laugh. The cruel crowds and sadistic soldiers, they thought they had the last laugh. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ, are you listening, proves that God Almighty and those who know him have the last laugh. He gives us joy. And so we can laugh. That's why I'm so excited about the series that we're starting next Sunday, a week from the day. Listen, you do not want to miss a single Sunday of this series. We are doing a series called Joyride. And we are going to take four weeks. I look around at the church. I look around at the world. I watch the television like you do. I look at the websites. And I look, I think our world desperately needs joy. You know what I'm saying? And I I think that I need it. I think that you need it. And if we don't intentionally go after joy, listen, Christians can go the way of the world and actually become a bunch of, like I said, sourpussitis people. Joy. How's your joy? Seriously. Let me remind you that Jesus Christ said, I have come that your joy may be what? What? I've come that your joy may be what? Complete. When did we start believing that we needed to grow up and stop laughing? When did we ever start believing that To grow up and become a a mature adult, whatever that means, (laughs) means that that we shouldn't laugh. Come on, church. I believe the Christian church should be the most joy-filled environment on the planet. Come on, church. I believe the, the Christian community should lead the way. Why did we ever start acting like adults when we probably should have kept acting like children and just kept our joy. I'm not saying that we shouldn't mature in the faith, but children are just great. Maybe that's why, maybe that's why Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why did, why did we have to start growing up if growing up meant we, we stopped having fun in life? I mean, think about it for just a moment. Have you ever really realized that the only time in our lives when we like to get old is when we're kids? 
Have you ever thought about this? Come on, come on, come on. The, if you're less than 10, if you're less than 10 years old, you're so excited about aging that you use fractions. How old are you? I'm five and a half. Uh, well, what, 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 is, what is that all about? How, how old are you? I'm four and a half. You're, have you ever noticed? You're never 36 and a half. Well, you're four and a half going on five. That's the key. Listen, you get into your teens, though. Now you can't hold back. You jump to the next number or even a few ahead. How old are you? I'm going to be 16. You might be 13, but you're going to be 16. (laughs) Well, what's what's up with that? Why is that? And then the greatest day of your life, the greatest day of your life, you become 21. I mean, just... The language, even the word, it sounds like a ceremony. You become. You become 21. But then, oh no, oh no, then you turn 30. Sounds like sour milk. You turned 30. What, what happened there? I mean, you know, you turned. You, they had to throw you out, if you know what I mean. There's, it's no fun now. You're just a sour dumpling. What's wrong? What's changed? You become 21. You turn 30, then you're pushing 40. Whoa, whoa, put on the brakes, baby. It's all slipping away. Before you know it, you reach 50. And your your dreams are just gone. I mean, what, what, what is going on here? You make it to 60. You didn't think you would, but you did. So, so come on, follow me. You, you become 21. You turn 30. You push 40. You reach 50 and you make it to 60. I mean, I mean, beloved, you've built up so much speed that you hit 70. I mean, after that, it's just a day-by-day thing, if you know what I'm saying. You, 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 you hit Wednesday. You, you, you get into your 80s and every day is a complete cycle. You hit lunch. Y'all are enjoying this way too much. Come on, come on. You turn 430. You reach bedtime. And it doesn't end there. Into the 90s, you start going backwards. I I was just 92. (laughs) Then a strange thing happens. If you make it over 100, you become like a kid again. I'm going to be 100 and a half. (laughs) May you all live to be a beautiful 100 and a half. An Easter heart, an Easter heart is it's full of life, church. An Easter heart is it's full of love. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that an Easter heart is full of laughter. I think the church should be a place where we laugh and we laugh hard. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I, I thought about putting a picture up on the screens, but then I decided against it because we all have different images of what Jesus looks like. I can tell you this, he doesn't look like the California beach dude that you grew up on Sunday school and you saw him in your Sunday school class, you know, the brown, suntan, Jesus, blue eyes, long blonde hair, that dude, that, he didn't look like that, okay, but yeah, it's open for variation as to what you believe he looked like, but have you ever saw the picture of Jesus that's referred to as the laughing Christ? It's, it's one of my favorite ones. And I, again, I was going to put a picture up. And I said, no, no need to put a picture up. 
Some of us have an image of Jesus as if he's some mean God who is out to get you. He's actually a God who loves you. He's actually a God who the Bible says in the shortest verse in Scripture, God is love. Sure, there's the justice of God, but guess what? Jesus took that for you on Good Friday. He loves you. And and, and he wants you to have life and have it abundantly. He wants you to experience life better than you can imagine experiencing it. And even if you're a Christian, even if you walk with Christ for a while, I've walked with Christ for 24 years now, I still know that in following Christ, my life is only going to get better and it's going to be more fulfilling, listen, than I can even imagine it. How's, how's your Easter heart doing? Is it full? For some of you, I know it is. But what about for the rest of you? Maybe you're here and you don't even have an Easter heart. I'm here to tell you, and I know you don't know me and I don't really know you, but listen, trust me on this. God loves you. Easter story is all about a love story to you. He loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you and he wants to give you a life far beyond what you can even imagine it being. I um I've I've lived in Chapel Hill, North Carolina for 18 years. Lived in Durham for six years before that. 18 years, not quite six, four years, but 18 years we lived in Chapel Hill. Even when we lived in Durham, we would drive over to Chapel Hill because we just loved loved Chapel Hill. I have lived not only in Chapel Hill for 18 years, I have lived one mile from Merritt's Grocery Store in Chapel Hill for five years. And for the last six years, I've lived about two miles from Merritt's. Now, you might say, where in the world is he going with this? Something happened to me on Friday that made me get born again. I have been hearing about Merritt's famous BLT. For 18 years... I've lived right beside the little hole in the wall that makes the world's best BLT. And just on Friday, I happened to be coming by there and I was hungry. And so I stopped and I said, there's no way it can be this good. And the line made me doubt it even when I said it. I waited and I waited And I waited. Oh. 
they, 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 they tape it up for you. Oh, camera, camera. You got to get up in here. Can y'all, can y'all see that right there? Can y'all? Oh, my glory. Hallelujah. So I stopped in there by myself on my way into the office, and I grabbed it. They, they do a single and a double. They said, you want a single or a double? Oh, I said, I've waited 18 years for this. I might as well do a double. $8.40. Worth every freaking penny of it. I jumped into the car. I was, it was to go, baby. I had to get to church. Jumped into the car, and I was riding the back way from Chapel Hill to, to Durham. And I opened that bad boy, and I... Get it on sourdough bread. I took one bite of it. I had to pull the car over. I said, Lord, forgive me. Why have I never eating such a thing it was everything everyone had always said about it I probably heard 15 times in 18 years you gotta go eat their BLT and I thought oh yeah I've seen that place I can only imagine how their business is gonna skyrocket after today I, I, I really just want to eat the rest of this thing, but because I love you, I'm going to just stop. But come on, come on, come on. Some of you have been hearing about the goodness of Jesus Christ your entire life, and you've never tried it. You've never stopped by and said, Jesus, I want me some of that. You've never just, you've been hearing about it from your parents, from your grandparents, from your aunts, from your uncles, from your friends. And for whatever reason, you've never taken the time to just try him. Interestingly enough, the Bible says in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. Why don't you try him? What you got to lose? If I might say so myself, you've been trying everything else. Why not try him? Why not ingest him into your being? Invite the Lord of life. Invite the Lord of love. Invite the Lord of joy and laughter into your innermost being and try Him. 
And once you taste and see that the Lord is good, beloved, you will kick yourself in the butt over and over and over. Why in the world didn't I try him before now? All heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray. Father, oh God, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives, God. Thank you for, thank you for the fact that you only get better and better in time. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for those who are in this house today. And they know you. They have tasted you. They have seen that you are good. And they would never imagine in their wildest dreams going a day without you. For those folks, God, we're here to celebrate you and worship you. And the truth is, God, even those of us who know you, we need more life from you. We need more love from you, God. We need greater joy from you. So keep bringing that into our lives and let today be a part of that. But Father, for the man or the woman who is here, and they've never really stopped and just paused for just a moment to try you out. Or maybe they did a long time ago, God, and they just, they just wandered away from you. And Easter Sunday brought them back. Maybe they're here, Father, and they just need more of you. They, they've tried it, but there's something inside of them that just, just prevents them from going that next level and, and walking in greater intimacy and relationship with you. If you're here and, and you want to receive Christ today, you want to pray and commit your life to Christ today at all of our campus locations as well, I'm going to ask you to do a big and a bold thing. All heads are bowed and eyes are closed. So you don't need to worry about people looking at you. But if they were, you should still do this. He died for you. He hung on a cross for you. He has come that you might have life and love and laughter. If you're here and you need some of Jesus, you want more of him for those things or anything. I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Just lift your hand up high. Just raise it up. Hands all over the place. The rest of you, raise it up if, you, if you're just hesitating. Raise it up. Wow. Keep them up high. Wow. Wow, all of you in all of the sections. Father God, I pray for the men and the women who just had the courage to raise their hands before you, before an audience of one and say, Jesus, I need more of you. God, would you come into their lives this day as they simply pray, Lord Jesus, I need you to be my savior. Lord Jesus, I need more abundant life. Lord Jesus, I need greater love. I just need to love you more, God. I need to love people more. God, I need greater joy. The truth is, Father, the world has a way of just stealing our joy. The truth is, it's not really the world. It's the enemy. The Bible says Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy. We will not let him destroy our joy. Father, I pray for those who just, who just said yes to you. Minister to their hearts. Bless their lives. Thank you for saving them. We honor you. We worship you together now as brothers and sisters in Christ. This we pray in the strong, the powerful, and the triumphant name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, new brothers, new sisters, mature, old, brand new alike. We all said together saying, amen. amen. Would you give the Lord God a big hand?
for those who just accepted Christ all over this place and all over our campuses. Way to go, church. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.